You've been on a journey with me for over a year, and you've heard me in many studios, some of them in the woods, some of them walking down the street. I mean, these are metaphorical studios. Clearly, I'm not walking with the studio around me. Some of them were in my RV, some of them were in my yard, some of them were in the back house that the clown stole, the clown is gone now. Some of them were in my original basement studio that got taken away from me, but now my friends, neighbors, countrymen, gummy fish, that comes up later in the episode. It's a callback from the future. I am in my permanent studio built by the hands of my wife. I get to come to you from a place of comfort. (laughs) Clearly, my words are not there right now. But it's great. I feel like I've arrived in this location. I know the next one will be in my office in Malibu overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The fighting Pacific, the best ocean out there. Today's episode is about finding quality problems to solve. Taking the first step of a thing that you know is going to be difficult, but everything's difficult. I talk about how our brain's a huge computer that's looking to fix what's going on in your life. So find things worth fixing. Find things that in the fixing brings you joy. So let's get right into it. I'm Jet Dunlap for Psychotherapy, and episode 112 starts right now. Nearly every day, I will look at Facebook, a ship in the wind slowly rolling away from the coast that is my interest into the fog. That's a metaphor. (laughs) I lose more interest in it every day, but sometimes I'll come back to it just like when a kid is living a stage in his life. And he's letting go of those childish things, but something, some twinkle, cinematic moment where he looks at the teddy bear in the corner and says, goodbye, chapter of my life. You've been good and you've taught me much, but it is time for me to move on. And where I'm going, I don't need you. And then the parents of that very odd child would say, Billy's weird. We need to do something with him. So much like Billy's teddy bear, that's where I am with Facebook. But I'll still occasionally end up tapping that friendly F. The friendly F, if you don't know, which sounds like uh, friends with benefits, which is a really dirty thing to think right now, but that's just what it sounded like, and I can't help myself. I blame my dyslexia, ADD, or the other things that plague my mind like crazy little spiders. So that lowercase f in Facebook is like Google and like the old AT&T emblem. They feel that if it's lowercase, a bunch of people in a room who make more money than they ever should came up with the idea to make it lowercase because then it is more friendly. It's not as imposing. You are more likely to tap on something like that than you would if it was uppercase. You'd feel less like it was an establishment and a giant corporation. It's just your friendly neighborhood Facebook. (laughs) Your mom and pop giant Silicon Valley $100 billion company. I digress. So every once in a while, I'll click on this lowercase f, and I scroll through, and what I find is nothing. You want proof that we live in the matrix, that this is a holographic universe? Go look at a thing that just cycles. 
when Facebook first came out, I would look at it and go, look at that, Cheryl Sassadus. I happen to use her as an example quite often, but you know Cheryl Sassadus because she and I had seven minutes in heaven when we were at Eric Chudabala's house back in, let's say the 80s for argument's sake. It was one of my first sleepovers. And Eric Chudabala, you know him, of course, because you listen to the show. He was the guy whose house this was, where I was with Cheryl Sassadus, Seven Minutes of Heaven, just to remind you of what happened 10 seconds ago. And uh, he had pickles in a bag. You've seen him at the grocery store, if you've been on Earth for a little while, and you think, what kind of cotillionaire, that's above billion and above trillion, what kind of cotillionaire could afford individually wrapped pickles in their juice? But Eric Chudabala could. I don't think I even had one because it was too much of an indulgence. So Facebook. (laughs) I will tap on that and I will see all the same conversations, all the same interactions, all the same posts. That thing you posted on Facebook yesterday about Donald Trump that you think is original and you didn't even post it, you reposted it. It's not. We've all seen it. And even if it's new that day, it's a variation on the same theme. You're beating a dead horse. So I've grown tired of it. I remember a little while ago, there was this thing in pop culture and TV saying Facebook is for old people. And I thought, no, it's not. There's a lot of young, sexy, talented people I know on Facebook. It's not true. It really is just a bunch of old people. It's a big knitting circle where we're all complaining. And that's not sexist because I'm including myself in that knitting circle. But here's the point of that story. I become emotionally charged at what's going on in today's culture and society. I cannot help myself. I am a feeler. In order to be a creator, and if I haven't told you this before, warning, danger Will Robinson, danger Will Robinson, obviously I'm 30, you know, 30-year-olds know the original Lost in Space. I would have to be like 50 or 60 to know the original Lost in Space. However, it is dangerous. And I feel and I care. And for a long time in my life, I tried not to do either of those things. It's not very cool the way I was raised in the place I existed in. Emotions are not for men's. Machismo! Carl's Jr. Machismo with extra bacon. That's not what it is. It's Espanol for macho, which is also Espanol. But I do feel, and I care. The 10 years I volunteered to be in the council, that was volunteering because I cared about my community. And eventually I realized that it was pointless. All I could get was a bunch of people to like me, to press a button that directly charges my dopamine and makes me feel liked. Christine, a girl I went to high school with who runs her parents' bar in Van Nuys, put she loves the comment. We barely knew each other in high school, but man, she loves my comment. I'm special. And then if you put something up and no one agrees, you think, is my point valid? Well, none of it matters. But here's the point of that story. I write little novels. I write little short stories about how I feel, about what I believe is going wrong 
in our culture right now, on our planet, and then I don't post them. I just take them and I put them in journal entries because of something I learned a long time ago from my old friend Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln used to write very venomous letters, eloquently, so the impact was even stronger. And after he died, they found a drawer full of these letters, and some of them very famous to generals during the Civil War, and he never sent these letters. So he'd write them to have the catharsis of that release, and then he wouldn't send them. And that's what I've done with Facebook for probably the last year and a half. Are my points valid? Are they written eloquently? Do they have just enough humor to resonate? Absolutely. Will they do anything? Absolutely not. Because we all live in our own universe, we all believe in what we believe in and there are no absolutes anymore, no one's going to believe anything other than what they want to believe. I won't go into detail, but I was talking to someone the other day, and this is to validate my point, about something I've done for the last eight years. This is photo editing, probably more than eight years. So I was talking about the process, and this person was just getting into photo editing. And this is an example of something that happens all the time. And they were asking me about it, and I told them. And then they said, well, actually, what I read is this. This is people living in their own universe. Someone who knows that I know a thing that they're talking about, and you've been through this, and yet they have no problem correcting you. When I talk to my friends, they have no problem telling me how to do the thing that they called me to learn how to do. I've said it before. You want to know about fitness? Ask someone who's overweight. No one has looked into it more. If you want to get fit, talk to someone who's done it. Same thing with money. Same thing with photo editing. So the reason I bring that up is that if you go on social media, you can make the most eloquent point in the world in a succinct way that gets digested. But if everyone agrees with you or no one agrees with you, it doesn't matter. And that brings me to today's topic. What I wanted to talk to you guys about today is focus. That's right. You're getting a lesson in focus from a guy who is... (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say. Not very focused. Your brain is a computer. An incredible computer. But it's just a wet computer. A computer that very soon, when the quantum computers of IBM, Google, when they turn on, they will start to exceed what we're able to do. But as far as humor and creativity, our computer is still superior. Our computer has to solve problems. And unlike a standard computer that we're using right now, before we really enter the realm of quantum computing, a standard computer today can only solve problems you tell it to. Emotions are a device that was developed in evolution to create a more precise instrument to warn us against destruction. If you miss someone or want someone in your life that is wanting another person in your life, you are safer. Desire, frustration, anger, sadness. These are all little LED lights that go off in our body to tell us what we need more of or what we need less of. What happens is then we feed that information into our brain and our brain goes, oh, we need someone. And then your emotions go, oh no, 
my brain thinks I need someone. And then your emotions get sadder because you really realize that emotionally and mentally, you feel a loss. And that is a feedback loop. And it's a feedback loop that will plague you and it'll come up in your life all the time. It is the source of sadness in so many of our lives. It is the source of great depression and it is the source of destruction. How do we combat the feedback loop? Drink, eat, sex, gambling, TV, Facebook. Distract that giant computer, that brilliant machine. Take that computer and make it focus on something really stupid. When the first Apple Watch came out, I talked to my friend Richard every day. I was so excited and then I stayed up till midnight to order it and I was so indecisive at the last minute I pulled it out of the cart and I didn't order it and then I ordered it and it was too late. And for three months, I anticipated this watch and weighed my options and thought about, will this make me happier? Will it not make me happier? I was at a very depressed point in my life and I told Gina once, I said, you know what? At least at the end of the day, I know I must go on because I want to see what this Apple watch is like. My brain was focusing on something It was external. It was focusing on something in the future. And I was maybe, and this is up to you, putting a little too much emotional energy into a little computer watch. Your brain will focus on whatever it wants, and it is a roulette wheel from hell because it doesn't just have two colors and a series of numbers. It is infinite. Why did I spend three days six hours a day trying to make perfect a plexiglass lucite table that I found. Why will I focus on a mundane task that has no use in my life, no profitability, and no lessons for weeks, months, years? And I'm using the infinite I, not me in particular. Why will I obsess over an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend, a relationship, a job, a boss, For that many years and let it plague me when people were asking me about Donald Jennifer Trump I said Donald Trump doesn't get to rent space in my head for free anymore I have no more words for him I have no more feelings for him and I made a decision in our household a long time ago saying we don't get to feed the beast That is, thinking about the president. I don't get a check at the end of the month for how many units of energy I put into thinking about that man, so I am done. Keep chasing your tail, dummies. And I was one of them. Keep chasing your tail all you want, but it is a futile pursuit. That's why they call it chasing your tail. What happens if you get it? That's not great. Our brain needs to solve problems. So you're asking me, Professor, Doctor, President, Universal, Godlike Creature, Jet Dunlap, what is the answer? And how are you so humble? I have your answer. Find problems worth having. When you raised your son or daughter, that beautiful, brilliant child that is the apple of your eye, I don't know what that means. Your pride and joy, the best thing you've ever done, that was a worthy problem. 
You created a human out of nothing. You created bones, skin, nails, and hair. That sounds gross, but it's true. That thing grew into a human person, and they interact with the world every day. And if you did it slightly right, they're bringing more good than bad. That is incredible. That was a worthy problem of having. My screenplays, my worthy problem of having. Figuring out where my character Frank goes in the evolution of his arc in the first act, that is a problem I want to have. I've been fretting about working out. I haven't lifted weights since the pandemic, basically April. You know, in July, I did over 7,000 push-ups and I ran over 170 miles. And if you didn't know, now you know, obviously, that was something important for me to tell you. But I did that by doing it. I've been sitting in my yard after I work, sanding, working on the trailer, working on landscaping. But yesterday I was thinking, man, I want to work out. Man, I want to work out. Man, I want to work out. I kept saying that. But then I did it. I just grabbed some weights and moved them up and down. And do you know what the funniest part about that is? I was listening to one of my episodes and that's what motivated me. Episode 103. If you could write notes to yourself right now, what would you say? What would you say? Would you say Chris, Tim, Julius, Farfalax? Tomorrow, when you're thinking about eating that cake, don't. I have to do this to myself. For all the things that I know and the things I tell you about, the reason that no lasted a while was because I didn't know what I was going to say next. For all of that, I still indulge. Gina got a deal at Grocery Outlet. Could not be less of a sponsor. She loves that place. Just loves it. We spend too much time there when we're in Mammoth, but they just opened one up in Chatsworth. Not a sponsor, so I won't tell you where it is. They had Swedish fish. I don't like fish, but I love me some Swedish fish. They are the uh, foundation of Sour Patch Kids. But my teeth cannot take Sour Patch Kids anymore. That's a young man's game. That sugar gets wedged in, and I practice proper dental care, and I can't have that much of a sugary snack. But Gina said this bag of Swedish fish was only $1.99. So at first I thought, oh, Swedish fish, no big deal. Gina opened the bag, so now I had permission. I would fill my pockets and go back into the house because our uh, little cabinet is outside. And I'd fill my pockets with Swedish fish. And then, like a Swedish bear, I would eat those Swedish fish, lots of them. And then I needed to check myself because it was becoming an indulgence. Why did I tell you that Swedish fish story? Guilt. <laughs> was this a confessional? Oh, Father. It's been a week since my last confession. <laughs> I don't know who I was doing an impression of. Oh, Father, it's been a week since my last confession. I've been eating me too many potatoes. That's racist. I want to solve problems worth solving. And that's what I want for you. I'll think about a thing that plagues our culture, and then I will look into the books, I will look into my journals, I will look into my podcasts, and I will think... How could this be made better? The quality of your problem is going to be what determines your happiness. Playing the guitar for the first time, which I've played the guitar for the first time many times. My first lessons were when I was a kid. Sucks. Being good at the guitar is awesome. 
I listened to my episode 29 the other day by accident, and it just went into that track after I had proofed my previous episode, which was 111. And it was terrible. Episode 29 was terrible. When I started my podcasts, I wanted to have the elegance, the grace, the beauty, the flowing mane that is the style in which I do the show now. I couldn't until I had done 100 episodes. I told my friend yesterday, you can't get 20 years worth of experience in under 20 years. You want to be at the end. You want to make the touchdown without lifting the weights, without all the practice. You want to be an incredible cook, but you don't want to crack an egg. Find quality problems. Your computer, your brain, until the day of your death, which is a long time from now. I know this, by the way, no matter who you are. I was told. So take it from me. I know things. You've got a long life ahead of you, no matter how old you are. So in that long life, find problems that you want to solve. I like my writing problems. I like my photography problems. I have some of the nicest photography equipment I could ever dream of, the best stuff they make. Lenses that cost more than my first car. And I am not great. It's a constant struggle. But I get better, and every step I make in that pursuit of getting better is a reward. And that is the point. If you have quality problems, problems you enjoy, those problems will not seem as big as when they were in minutia. Being fat sucks and is difficult and a struggle. Going to the gym sucks and is difficult and is a struggle. So they're both going to be that. One gets you where you want to be and one doesn't. It's where you want the problem. Eating that cake, eating those Swedish fish that I enjoy so much, that gives me pleasure. And the problem is at the end, when I tell you guys, I confess to you in my little confessional, that I am an indulger of Swedish fish. That's where my problem is at the end. The pleasure was at the beginning. If I don't eat those Swedish fish, the pleasure is at the end, because my body reflects that lack of sugar. I told you in one of the episodes that I think it was Sammy Davis Jr. who said, Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life, and that is incorrect. That comes from people who get the job they've wanted their whole lives young. I'm saying, find something you're passionate about, that this struggle is worth it. Things are hard. Choose your hard. Getting good at a thing is difficult. Getting good at a thing that you want to get good at is difficult but rewarding. Here's a great personal example. I hated being the least educated person in my family of about 40 people. It sucked. It was painful. It plagued me. I came up with reasons why and why not and elegant little stories that I could make up that explained my superiority. But then one day I went to school and that will be eliminated. That is difficult. It's tough on me and my wife who has to help me. But I choose that tough because the eventuality gives me what I want. In this human form we take, reward, and you know this, so get ready and sing along. Reward only comes at the end of difficulty.
the most intellectually brilliant person you know and the funniest person you know got there through struggle. If I have jokes that resonate with you, if I say things that make you laugh, that came from pain. So much of it that I started to see pain from a different angle than you do. My pain, my struggle, my dyslexia, my childhood, my difficulties with addiction are why I'm interesting. If you think so. If not, you're not listening to this, so who cares? You suck. (laughs) And I'm only saying that the people who don't listen to this suck. So if you're listening to this, you're amazing, as you know. When I started this show, it wasn't good. And when I asked people how it was, they said it wasn't good. And that took a long time. I remember doing episodes in the 40s. I'd been doing it for months and months and months. And I'd ask people how the episode was. And they'd say, ah, I like the intro. The audio quality was fine. That hurt. And if I had stopped, it would never have gotten better. But I kept going. And it's better. Find an elegant struggle and go into it thinking the difficult part is the best because my dearie, my Swedish fish, that's what you are to me now. Listen, I need you to hear me. Turn up the volume because this part is key. If The reward is in the struggle and the eventuality is just this moment. Then what do we learn about the journey of life, the life cycle of a human creature? The joy is in the struggle. The joy is in the journey. There is no sweet without sour. So we must learn to not hate the parts that are tough. We must learn to choose the tough that is worthy of our time. If you wake up in the morning and you stare at a blank sheet of paper and you go, I have a story in me, and every day you chip away at it and one day someone is reading your book, watching your movie, listening to the song you wrote, that is a good struggle. Your voice and your style is unique. And it will resonate with someone that no one else's does. Even if it's a story you tell. Even if it's just in the style you live through life. It's important. Find quality struggles and problems to solve and everything will change. You've been with me for 112 episodes of my struggle, and if you go back to episode one, you can't tell me that my life hasn't changed. So take an example of someone you've been listening to in real time. Every little problem, every little purchase, every little accident, every relationship that I made worse during a point of my life where I was living unconsciously, I have mended. If another one pops into my head, I will mend that. Not taking care of projects, letting things fall apart, purchases that were stupid. All of that has been changed because I am living a life that is on purpose. 
a part of that is doing this show because I can't do what I'm doing and not talk about it because if I don't talk about it in my narrative, I'm not giving you an opportunity to do what I'm doing and that would be selfish. One day, and I hope this day is soon, I'll run into you. I'll talk to you. And you'll tell me about a painting. You'll tell me about a house you built. You'll tell me about a story you wrote. Or you'll tell me about a situation that you helped your niece get through because of my words. And the reason that I did it is for that. And I know that sounds like a humble brag. I know that sounds like some kind of weird thing to say. But if you've known me this whole time, you know that it's true. I picked this struggle. And it's been tough. You've heard episodes where I say, hello, darkness, my old friend. And then I just spill my guts out about how tough my life was in that moment. You think that's easy? You know it isn't. But I chose my struggle. And I ask you to do likewise. I'm out of words. I'm out of time. And now I'm out of Swedish fish. And for you, I will stop doing that. I'm going to get my body back in the shape I want to. I'm going to start doing the exercises I don't want to do. Because who would I be if I told you to do something that I didn't do myself? Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jet Dunlap. This was Psychotherapy. Psychotherapy.